Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups and walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code HOOPS. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility. Terms and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. NBA Media Day was yesterday, and we had a a bunch of, a couple of teams go last week, but the rest of the teams went yesterday. And so today we're going to do our six biggest takeaways from NBA Media Day. I've got one for each of the top six teams in my power rankings when we did the season previews. And then I've got four mailbag questions for the end of the show as well. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT. Don't forget about our podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. And I need more mailbag questions, so keep dropping those in the YouTube comments. All right, first biggest takeaway. 
This one has to do with the Golden State Warriors. No, it doesn't matter at all. That Draymond Green has had personal beef with Chris Paul. Personal is not the right word, but basketball beef with Chris Paul in the past or that Chris Paul and Steve Kerr have had altercations in the past or that Clay Thompson and Rodney Magruder have had issues in the past. It just doesn't matter. And for the record, this is not the first time we've done this sort of thing. Lance Stevenson famously was a huge pain in the ass to LeBron and was his teammate in 2019, and they were fine. This is a completely common thing that happens in the NBA and a really common thing with competitors. Uh, Draymond Green gave a really well-thought-out quote about this. I encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, if you go to the Warriors YouTube page, they have it in there. Um, uh, uh, they have it in the with the, uh, all their other videos they posted with the media availability. But he basically said, like, yeah, Chris Paul's a little bit of an asshole on the court. But he's like, so am I. And he's one of the best competitors in the league, and so am I. And that inevitably is going to lead to situations on the court where we butt heads. And it really is that simple. This is not a hard concept for you guys to get. It, even outside the realm of basketball, competitiveness exists. Being a, a, a little bit more of an asshole when something's on the line is completely normal. Anybody who's good at anything probably got good at it because they're competitive in some way, shape, or form. And everybody, there are different types of competitive personalities, to be clear, but it's totally normal to experience a negative emotion or, or have a negative interaction with somebody in a competitive environment that doesn't actually represent the way you would treat each other off the court. You know, chances are Draymond Green and Chris Paul, if they met each other just as buddies growing up, would get along just fine. But that doesn't mean that in a basketball situation when they're on opposite sides that they won't butt heads. Yeah, Clay Thompson and Rodney Magruder got into it a little bit. Clay Thompson said some stuff like, you're going to be out of the league. He probably didn't even mean that. But he's talking shit. He's, he's talking shit. It's a thing that happens in basketball games. It's completely normal. And it's not even exclusive to basketball. So I don't think it matters. If anything, I think it's a good thing. Because those types of interactions are, like Draymond said, an indicator of your overall give-a-shit factor. And you just brought in players that give a shit at a similar level to the way that you do. I can think personally for me, I play with guys now that I've played against in the past and had negative relationships with. It's so nothing. And I don't think it's going to have any sort of negative impact on the Warriors in fact, I believe it's going to have a positive impact. Number two, Jason Tatum spent four weeks over the summer in the gym with Paul Pierce, and that might be exactly what he needed. So uh, this was the very first answer, actually, that Jason Tatum gave in his uh, media availability yesterday, and he said that Paul Pierce basically joined them for court work, and Paul Pierce himself, I guess, lost a little bit of weight in the process, uh, but that they spent a lot of quality time, not just doing basketball work, but also focusing on some of the specific things that are necessary to win an NBA championship. Paul Pierce has given some, you know, nuggets of wisdom from his time when he won the title in 2008. And the reason why I find this to be particularly encouraging is when I talked about the Drew Holiday trade, if you guys remember, I said that I looked at it more as a defensive upgrade. And the reason why is when push comes to shove, it's got to be Tatum. That out-executes Steph Curry in the NBA Finals. That out-executes Giannis in a conference finals. Dame in a conference finals. In, in, uh, 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 if, they, if they ran into a Jokic-led team. He has to be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best guys in the league. And he had a little bit of a regression last year in some of his shot variety that made him easier to guard. And Paul Pierce was one of the best closers in NBA history because of that variety. He's a rise and fire guy who can rise and fire from any spot 
on the floor. And he had a, a specific combination of like crafty hesitation pull-up dribble uh, jump shots that I think would be good for Jason Tatum to add to his repertoire. So the idea of him spending four weeks over the summer working in the gym with Paul Pierce is really encouraging to me because that's the one thing that's missing. Jason Tatum is capable of being one of the best defensive players in the league. He is an outstanding rebounder for his position. He's put on muscle that's given him the versatility to bang with the, the, the bigger forwards and players that he has to go against in the NBA, right? He's become an outstanding shooter. He's an underrated passer. One of the biggest limitations in his game right now is he's a little predictable in a slowdown half-court setting, especially against a switching defense. He needs to have some of that shimmy a little bit of that uh what's the word I'm looking for a little bit of that like um shifty type of game where it's a little bit uh, a little bit unpredictable a little bit uh improvisational Jalen Brown's actually a little better than that uh, better at that than him right now and so I think the idea of him working with Paul Pierce is a great sign from this past summer all right number three so Rui Hachimura has been working out with LeBron James and I think that's perfect because they actually need him to be a lot like LeBron James. You know, we think of AD and LeBron as your 4-5 and Ruby kind of slotting in as that 3. Now, Darvin Ham has said that it's going to be a lot of different guys this year. It might be Jared Vanderbilt in some matchups. It might be Rui Hachimura in some matchups. And it could be, you know, Torian Prince in a lot of matchups. My guess is that it'll end up being Jared Vanderbilt that ends up starting at the 3. And the reason why, even though I think Rui's a better player, is they lost Dennis Schroeder. Now, Gabe Vincent is every bit as good as Dennis Schroeder in different ways, but Dennis Schroeder was a better point-of-attack defender. Now, as a result of that, it's going to be even more important for Jared Vanderbilt to take primary point-of-attack assignments. And so I wouldn't be surprised, especially in specific matchups, if Jared Vanderbilt spends a lot of time with the starting unit as the three, which means Rui's kind of going to be the backup four, the guy that comes in for LeBron when he subs out around the five-minute mark. That's why I love the idea of him working out with LeBron. I don't think Rui Hachimura is a good perimeter defender. He's not going to navigate screens well or keep uh, really quick guards or wings in front. What he is going to do is he's going to be able to defend big strong forwards well and he's going to be able to occasionally switch and guard a big man. And that's real value. That's a defensive role. We talked about the two different kinds of forward roles. The more big man type of four, the Aaron Gordon type of player where you're more guarding taller wings that are pull-up shooters because you can bother them with contests and, and you can switch on to bigs, but you're not going to navigate screens as well. Whereas we have the skinnier forward, which is like the Jaden McDaniels type. They are great on the perimeter because they can sidle up over screens and they can bother players from behind with back pressure. That's what Jared Vanderbilt does best. And so I actually think Rui may makes the most sense as essentially a backup four. He's going to play some three, for the record. And when he plays three, they're going to need guys like Austin Reeves to take primary point of attack assignments. But I think Rui makes the most sense slotted next to AD as the four. When LeBron is off the floor, and inevitably LeBron's going to miss 20-25 games this year, just like he has been for the most part in this phase of his career. That is the big benefit there. If Rui's been working out with LeBron, and we know LeBron is famously basically a gym rat, and I'm referring more to the weight room. Obviously, LeBron puts in court work, but LeBron is religious with the way he builds his body to be able to withstand what he needs to do at his position throughout an 82-game season. That is good for Rui. Because Rui's physical build is a lot more similar to LeBron than it is to a traditional perimeter defensive wing. Rui can post up a small in a mismatch. Rui can thrive on the glass. Ruby can get going in transition and be a little bit of a freight train. Ruby can do a lot of those things. 
And so slotting him next to Anthony Davis as a four makes a lot of sense. And so attaching himself to LeBron and working out with him all summer is really encouraging, not just for the overall development of Rui, but where he's going to fit in this specific rotation. There are also some positives from Media Day about Anthony Davis. LeBron said he's the face of the franchise. That's a good indicator of just the uh, amount of responsibility that the whole franchise believes Anthony Davis should hold. Austin, Austin Reeves said in a... um, uh, in his media day availability, that AD looks especially motivated. He said in his interview with Zach Lowe that um, that AD's been shooting really, really well, which is encouraging. And then Anthony Davis himself in his media day availability said that he basically went on for a little while about how he wants revenge on the Nuggets for them talking shit, which, by the way, winner gets to talk shit. That how, that's how it works. But the way a competitor is supposed to respond to that is to get pissed off and want revenge. And that's what I'm seeing out of Anthony Davis. Also, for you Laker fans, tomorrow I, we have a special surprise. We're having Jovan, uh, Jovan Buha from The Athletic, the, their lead Lakers reporter, is going to be coming on with us to give a full breakdown, not only of some of the media day stuff that they talked about, but he's going to give us uh, some insight on what he saw from practice today. So we'll get to see some, in, um, some on-the-court intel from Jovan tomorrow. All right, number four. No, Damian Lillard is not as good on defense as Drew Holiday, and it doesn't matter. Quote from Drew, he inevitably got asked about it on media day. He said, I'm not going to come in here and be Drew Holiday. I think in my personal opinion, he's the best defender on the perimeter. He later went on to say, I ain't a pushover. Basically saying, like, I won't be like Drew, but I'm not going to be an easy guy to score on either. And he's right. He's not Drew. And this move fundamentally changes the defensive identity of the Bucks. That goes without saying. He's also right that he's not a pushover. Dame is a good athlete. Dame is strong. Dame is a fire hydrant guy that can hold his ground and beat people to spots. But he definitely needs to make a greater commitment on the defensive end in this particular season. But I expect him to. You know, there's a reason why Dame wasn't super committed on the defensive end in Portland. Like, at a certain point as a player, you have to make a decision about what the team needs from you. I'll I'll use LeBron to make this example. LeBron in 2018, that Cavs team needed him to do everything offensively. And the identity of that team was to outscore people. So he didn't devote as many resources to the defensive end. He'd focus on particular plays like a rim protection opportunity here, a transition chase down there, but he would like, you know, concede threes to some players and not make extra defensive rotations at times because on that team, it actually made the most sense for him to have all of his energy devoted to becoming this great offensive engine. Then he gets to 2020 with the Lakers. That team's identity was defense. There was a lot more ball handling and shooting on that particular team than was on the 2018 Cavs. He had Rajon Rondo to take over possessions, right? He had uh, Anthony Davis as a guy, especially in the 2020 season, that he could throw the ball to and get quality offense out. So LeBron was a more dedicated defensive player. LeBron was a, one of the best defensive seasons of his career in 2020. So that, that, that's a decision you have to make based on the construct of the roster. Those Portland teams were never going to be defensive juggernauts. And their best chance to win was get enough stops and let Dame just beat you with his unbelievable offensive skill. This Milwaukee team, totally different. He's not the best player anymore. Giannis is going to be able to help a lot in those areas. And they have a bigger defensive identity than the Portland Trailblazers did. So I expect Dame to make a decision 
to devote more resources to the defensive end as a result. It's a no-brainer at that point. Uh, Again, I I think there's a difference between a guy who's a bad defensive player and a guy who's playing bad defense. I don't think Dame's a great defensive player, but there's no reason in the world why he can't do a job within the Milwaukee Bucks scheme, especially with their rim protection. He's plenty athletic enough to do so. All right, number five. Jamal Murray's going to make an all-star team this year. We had a quote from uh, Mike Malone on Media Day. My goal for Jamal, my challenge for Jamal, is to show that you can do what you did in 20 playoff games. Because what Jamal did in the playoffs was ridiculous. I want him to be the first-time All-Star this year. I want Jamal Murray to be an All-NBA player. He's got to do it in October. He's got to do it in November. He can't be the slow start. The guys that are on top of their game, they bring it every single night. Now, I want to be clear. There, I thought Jamal started to take this leap in the bubble. And then, like a lot of players that came back from the bubble, they had a really quick turnaround, like less than two months to hop into training camp. And so a lot of those guys struggled. Even Anthony Davis, who was playing like a top five player in the world, before he got hurt, even at the beginning portions of the season, AD was a shell of himself. He averaged like 21 points a game in his, uh, before the injury. It wasn't the same guy. Neither was Jamal. Neither were a lot of the players that came out of the bubble. It's like that. That's typical from that specific circumstance. Then Jamal gets hurt, misses the rest of that season and an entire additional season. Then he comes back last year, and it's that first year back from a significant injury, which comes with its own list of drawbacks as you're trying to regain confidence and planting hard on that knee and all those uh, uh, different hurdles that you have to get over, right? This is his first full healthy season after a normal summer, after a normal training camp, after his injury, after his ascendance in the 2020 playoffs. When he showed what he could do in that series against the, uh, against the Jazz and again against the Clippers and again against the Lakers. So, like, I expect him to play well enough. The biggest, you know, kind of hurdle was going to be, does he have a spot on the all-star team just with the talent at his position? But now Damian Lillard's out of the conference. So if Jamal comes in in shape and is ready to go, I expect I don't think he just randomly gets better in the playoffs. I think he's just that good at basketball. So I expect him to come into the season and play that well, making it all NBA's a little bit tougher just because of the depth at that position across the league. But I don't see any reason at all why Jamal can't be an all-star this year. And I certainly expect him to average at least 23 points a game for the season. I expect I expect the best regular season of Jamal Murray's career this year. All right, number six. No, the Suns do not need a point guard. But they do need their stars to take on a bigger role than they're used to taking on. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results 
in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code HOOPS, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code HOOPS. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, Come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. Something I've always been a big believer in. When you try to take projects on yourself, you usually don't know what you're doing. You usually end up making mistakes, and it can be a big headache. And so not only can a professional from Angie get the job done more efficiently, but they also are people that you can support within your community as local businesses. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job is done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects easy. Consider Angie your hub for all your home improvement needs. They can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that will tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. And the app is free and easy to use. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Do you love Selena? Like really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. We had a quote, uh, uh, Kevin Durant was asked about the point guard position on the Suns. And he said, I don't think you have a true position. Anything. I think a lot of guys can help Play each position now. We've been talking about the last few years, positionless basketball. Book has brought it up, uh, has brought the basketball up his uh, whole career. Brad and myself have done the same thing. I'm sure it'd be done by committee, if anything, referring to the point guard position. And he's absolutely right. What is a point guard's job? A point guard's job is to, on on the offensive end, on the offensive uh, end, the point guard's job is to get your offense organized. It's his job to bring the ball up the floor, Navigate ball pressure if there is any, and get the ball to a spot where you have an advantage to help you run your offense. Nowadays, we're less running offense and more running action, right? So, like, we're not trying to run like five players in a motion. We're trying to get the ball up the floor to the right ball handler and then running a ball screen or a dribble handoff or something along those lines. And then you might have a, a separate action on the opposite end of the floor to try to occupy help defenders. But a lot of times it's just two-man game or three-man game. It's not a five-man action, right? And so a point guard is not as important as it used to be. It's more important to have guys who can make plays. How many guys do you have on your roster that can bring the ball up the floor against pressure and run a two-man game or run a three-man game and consistently generate quality shots? And the Suns have three of those dudes. So they're going to be just fine. They do not need a point guard. However, what is the defensive role of a point guard? The defensive role of a point guard is to 
be your primary point of attack defender, usually guarding the other team's primary ball handler. And that's the thing is it, he says, we've got to do, do it by committee. If anything, I would apply that to the defensive roles as well. Kevin Durant's going to ha- have to help with rim protection. Bradley Beal in particular is going to have to step up his defensive focus and energy kind of the way Devin Booker has in recent years. They're going to need all three of those guys to be bought into the dirty work because there will be fist fights along the way. There are going to be teams that are also good and talented that might be more committed in those areas. Remember the mailbag question yesterday? Parity has made it so that those details matter more now. Because we have five, six really damn good teams at the top of the league, how well do you defend? What is your natural basketball chemistry like? You know, how well coached are you? What's your, you know, injury history? Those are the kinds of things that are going to end up playing a role. And so, yeah, they don't need a point guard, but they do need guys to take on bigger roles, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. All right, mailbag questions. So, um, first one, this one, I'm not calling out any specific question. I had the Warriors video yesterday and I had a ton of guys uh, bringing up the free throw disparity in that series. And so I wanted to point out uh, an obvious fact. Warriors fans, yes, the Lakers shot a lot more free throws than you in that series. Also, did you know that the Lakers led the NBA in free throw attempts per 100 possessions and the Warriors were dead last in the entire NBA in free throw attempts per 100 possessions for the whole season? Also, did you know the Lakers allowed opponents to shoot the fewest amount of free throw attempts per 100 possessions in the entire NBA, and the Warriors ranked 23rd on that list? So all season for 82 games, the Lakers were really good at drawing fouls and never fouled anybody, and the Warriors were absolutely terrible at drawing fouls and fouled too much. So it's literally impossible for those two teams to play each other and not have a big free throw disparity. If you're focusing on the free throw disparity, you're losing sight of all of the other things that are happening on the court. I also had guys talking about Andrew Wiggins's ribs. Like LeBron was playing on a bad foot that cut his regular season points per game by six. You know, everyone's banged up. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that like there aren't wrinkles and, and things that can happen in a series that sway the outcome, of course, but it happens to everybody. And it's a loser mentality to not accept the loss and identify where you can improve to make sure that doesn't happen again versus making excuses. Because I promise you, if the Warriors go about this season thinking we're going to win as long as we get a better whistle and as long as Andrew Wiggins' rib cage doesn't get caved in, I'm sorry, you're just going to lose again. So, like, I, I, again, like, I'll, I'll give you the Lakers as an example. I'm, you guys know I'm a, the Lakers are the team that I root for the most. They, did, they lost in the Nuggets series because they were too unathletic in the backcourt, because LeBron James and Anthony Davis couldn't make jump shots, and because they did not have a playoff playable backup center. They had a great offseason. They addressed a lot of regular season depth needs. Did they get any more athletic in the backcourt? No. Did LeBron or Anthony Davis get better as jump shooters? We will see. Did they bring in a playoff playable center? Probably not. Now Bruce Brown is gone, so their athletic mismatches in the backcourt might not be as big of a deal, but here's the deal. The Lakers can blame, like I saw Anthony Davis yesterday talk about 
oh, uh, we had to hit it hard for two months going into the playoffs. That's great. But you also had problems against the Nuggets. And so if you think just because we have a full training camp and we can have a normal season, we're going to beat the Nuggets now, you're not beat. The, the Bruce Brown piece will help you with your athleticism matchup in the backcourt. That's good. But if LeBron James and Anthony Davis don't start making damn jump shots, and if they don't find somebody that can uh, anchor the center position with LeBron on the floor and Anthony Davis off, you're going to lose to the Nuggets again. You see what I'm saying? Like, as teams, excuse-making might offer you some sort of temporarily temporary emotional benefit. But reality is the only way you're going to identify your problems, address your problems, and make the necessary steps to win the next time you get there. That, that, that's what winners do. And I expect the Warriors to do so. I promise you, the Warriors aren't going into this season thinking the Lakers beat us because of the refs or the Lakers beat us because Wiggins' rib cage got caved in. I promise you that's not what they're thinking. They're thinking we have to be better in these specific areas to be able to beat the Lakers. All right, next mailbag question. This one's from Ryan. How much value do you see in the plus minus stat on a standard stat sheet? I know you like to deep dive on stats, but I look at the standard stat sheet during and after games, and I always find it odd when I see a player who scored, say, 30 points, and their team won, but they are a minus five on the stats. Even though I, I know they needed their points to win, but technically they lost those minutes they were on the floor. So plus minus is one of the most convoluted stats in basketball because there are tons of things that can, um, that can poison the data, so to speak, right? Uh, let's say, for instance, um, Nuggets fans going like, ah, oh, we always suck with Jeff Green on the floor last year. It's like, yeah, but you were always terrible with Jokic on the bench in general. And it, it like, and your offense falls apart, right? Uh, LeBron at center units for the Lakers. They got destroyed, but they didn't have a backup center. So like those units were not physically equipped to win basketball games. And they had to use them against really good playoff teams. And so LeBron's plus minus was all messed up. Because he would just get his butt kicked in the bench group, and then he'd come back and look great when he was playing alongside AD. You get the point. But like, the, anytime I'm looking at any piece of data, I want to look at the bigger picture. Again, we like my whole thing with analytics is not it's useless. It's just a, another piece of data, and you should never watch the. The, the games without looking for the production that backs it up. And you should never look at the production without walk it, watching the games to see what happens. They are, it's a symbiotic relationship between all those pieces. You can't just look at any one piece. You have to look at the full picture. I, I've said this before, but like even play type points per possession, like, Oh, you know, uh, this player had a bad pick and roll points per possession. Okay. What was his spacing? Like, what was his role man? Like, like Damian Lillard, was killing teams in pick and roll last year with poor spacing and bad role men. Like, I, I, I would imagine his points per possession in pick and roll is going to go up this year, playing alongside Giannis as a screen partner, right? So, like, again, there's always context in stats. Plus, minus, I, I think there's use in it. Um, I, I try to look at it in a larger sample size, like in the whole season versus one game. Uh, but even then, lineup structure can have a lot to do with it. So we're going to look at that data. I'm going to present that data, but never just take it at face value. Always look at the bigger picture. Analysts often talk about players being soft with respect to getting coached. As a former player and current coach, have you noticed a shift in the way coaches communicate with players now? 
so every coach has a different style. And I played with coaches. I played for coaches that were very emotional and, and highly energetic. And then I played with coaches that were more chill and always kept an even keel throughout uh, any situation. Doesn't mean there's a right or a wrong way to do it. Um, I do think there, there's a line to cross. Like when you start hitting players, that can be rough. But I also think it's important for coaches to be hard on players. And one of the main reasons why is like, like Draymond said, you're going to run into assholes on the court. And so I think it's valuable to have a coach that's willing to be a little bit of an asshole to you because we can talk about like society and mental health and all these things all we want. And those things matter, but on the court, it's, it's ruthless. They don't care. Like they might sympathize with your personality type and the way you handle tough love off the court. But if they know that if I talk some shit to you, you're going to crumble. They're going to talk shit to you on the court. And so I think it's valuable to have a coach that's willing to poke and prod you a little bit because it tests out those emotions. It builds toughness so that when you're in the game and you encounter some of that same adversity, you can respond to it better. And so I, I again, like I, I think, I don't think coaching is becoming too soft, but I do think I see occasional comments about coaching that are ignorant to that fact. Yeah. And I, I in an ideal environment, we could compete and it'd be all sunshine and rainbows, but that's not how it works. Everyone's looking for every tiny little edge they can get. And it's a significant edge when you can get in your opponent's head. The mental warfare is a big part of the game. All right. Last mailbag question. I remember you going over your fascination with star Wars and have your other podcasts on star Wars, two sons. I want to believe I'm fairly new to this amazing series. And I, and I know these mailbags are mainly for basketball, but I wanted to hear your take on who, who do you think is the most powerful character in Star Wars, canon, or Legends? Great question. So yes, I do have a Star Wars podcast. Uh, later tonight, actually, I'll be breaking down with my buddy Luke, uh, who lives here in Tucson with me. Doesn't literally live with me, but lives here in Tucson. Uh, him and I do a, a podcast together uh, where we cover the uh, Star Wars, and we're going to be covering Ahsoka in the season finale tonight. Uh, you can find that on YouTube under Two Sons Podcast. Uh, but... I am a general, in general, a Star Wars nerd, um, and not just Star Wars, but all fantasy. So, big Game of Thrones fan, big Lord of the Rings fan, big. Um, I've been liking that Rings of Power series. In general, I'm a big sci-fi fan. I'm just like a. I love uh, alien invasion movies. Are like my absolute favorite. Um, I, I want to go see this new movie, The Creator, that's coming out. That's based on artificial intelligence. I like sci-fi. I like fantasy. I like. Any show or, or movie or book that has like deep lore. I've always appreciated like really good storytelling in that sense. Uh, Star Wars. I'm going to go, oh, who's the most powerful character in Star Wars canon of Legends? Obviously, there are a lot of powerful characters in Star Wars lore. I am going to go though with this particular question with Darth Bane. Uh, there are three Darth Bane books. They're technically legends, although Darth Bane has been canonized in, in the Clone Wars TV show. Um, I actually am going through the books right now and we're doing reviews on them. We're going to be doing a review on the first Bane book probably next week. Um, but Darth Bane is basically the Sith Lord that came up with the rule of two. And so like there were all these Jedi and all these Sith and there were like thousands of them, right? 
But the, the Jedi were like teammates and they all wanted to work together for the greater good and all the stuff. And the Sith, it's like the Sith ideology is very selfish and like trying to be ambitious and get all the power you can. And so naturally, if you have a thousand of them, they'll kill each other. And, you know, you might have one guy who's super powerful, but two weaker guys will team up and kill him, you know, that kind of thing. And so Darth Bane was a, a Sith a thousand years before the Phantom Menace who kind of identified this problem and was like, I'm not going to let this happen anymore. And he literally killed all of the Sith and then started the order himself with just one apprentice who he'd train. And then the apprentice would take his spot and take a new apprentice. And that's how things passed down. And that Bane line or Bane's grand plan, as he called it, actually culminates with Darth Sidious or Emperor Palpatine overthrowing the Republic and killing all the Jedi, right? So like Darth Bane is literally the guy who killed all the old Sith, created the modern version of the Sith, and started the plan that culminated in the Star Wars movies that we watched. I think he's uh, uh, one of the coolest Star Wars characters, one of my personal favorites. Um, the books are really good. Drew Carpishin wrote them. He also wrote Mass Effect. But they're very straightforward. It's not a lot of fluff. It's not a lot of bouncing back and forth between plot lines. They're short books that are just all action. So they're really, really good reads. They're very dark. <laughs> a lot of diving into Sith ideology and stuff. But uh, uh, big Star Wars fan, highly recommend the Darth Bane books. Make sure you check out my Ahsoka breakdown with Luke after uh, I'll put it up tonight, probably right around like 8.30, 9 o'clock Pacific uh, Standard Time. Um, but yeah, so if you want, basically a lot of all my non non basketball content is going to be on uh, that particular channel. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support and I'll see you guys tomorrow. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love 
Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.